I know, I know you live up in North Carolina and it's not exactly SEC country up there, but mm. I am solidly in an area and have obviously a lot of Auburn folks because it's everybody's favorite backup school. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Welcome to My Got a Podcast. I'm Jim Wood. In this episode, John Powell and I preview Georgia's matchup with Auburn in the 127th installment of the Deep South's Oldest Rivalry. And we answer questions from you, our listeners. As always, remember to check out store.mygotapodcast.com to see our latest merch. And you can follow us on social media at mygotapodcast. Finally, we'd love for you to check out our presenting sponsor, Oxiatime, at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-T-I-M-E dot com. Now, let's join the conversation in progress. Oh, that was a loud pop. Wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know. It was for me. Maybe it was muted through the mic. I could, I could barely, I could barely hear it on your. All right, so your, your fancy microphone. I ended up not having any of this the other night, so save it for tonight. So again, trying to somewhat with the theme, since we're playing Auburn, who can't make up their mind on what their mascot is. I do have Eagle Rare, so I, which you know, <laughs> kind of sort of goes with the opponent. So that's what I've got tonight. Excellent. What do you have tonight? Tonight I have the Henry McKenna 10 years, single Ooh. barrel bottled and bond. Ooh, very nice. Mm-hmm. Man, I I have that and I haven't opened it yet. Oh, you haven't had it? That would have been that would have been funny if if I had chosen tonight and have that and we had the same thing. <laughs> This is this is one of John's this is one of John's recommendations from when I very first got into bourbon, and um, it's it's not my favorite, but it's it's a solid it's a solid bourbon. Okay, okay. I yeah. would say I would say that. Uh, sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that there are probably better bourbons at the price point. Is is what I would say. Right, right. I have learned that you are a um, a bang for your buck. You, you, it's not about the expensive bourbon, it's about the taste. That is correct. That is correct. Although sometimes the expensive bourbon is the good taste. Um, Fair. Yes. Yes. But yes, uh, generally speaking, uh, there's a, there's a cost value ratio as, as with many things, uh, <laughs> food, food is also in the, in that vein as well. Um, okay. But Yeah. This one's this one's high on the cost value value ratio. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I don't know, John, if you remember, but it's become an annual tradition on my Gotta podcast to open this episode with. Yeah. It's that time again. Do you like trucks, John? I do like trucks. Sorry, Carter. Uh, uh, all good. Um, <laughs> so 
as we like as we like to do these quid billies uh legendary like outro from an episode i believe as i recall like the, the episode was the ending when that happened correct so, correct uh shout yeah. out t-pain shout out t-pain <laughs> <laughs> winner of the oh. math singer i don't know if we've ever discussed that on here before when we played that uh he won the math singer i think season one my my kids love that show anyways oh. My kids also like that show. Uh, we haven't seen it in a while, though. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to. We'll 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 discuss that at another time, lest I go off, lest we go off the rails even further, <laughs> even further than we already have. <laughs> uh, let's see. Shall we jump into the matchup, or do you did you have anything else we you, you wanted to hit on before we jump jump straight in there? Uh, I will say that the this this game is is one of those games that I sincerely hope is never impacted by the division situation with the conference mm. expansion, the playoff expansion. Just, yes. hope that, just hope that this one is one of those, those rivalries that you just, you just got to do like it, it's the deep South's oldest rivalry. So we just need to continue this because it's fun. Like I have Auburn friends that, you know, they, they, they talk to me, about this game and it's his it's become it's almost become the georgia with the way that to the georgia tech game used to be if that makes mm. sense yeah um you know for a while there you know when when tech was challenging us this this was you know this was kind of the same vein like it was like oh man we got auburn they're always tough it's you know and it's changed a lot in recent years with the downturn of Georgia Tech and the downturn of the Auburn program, frankly, <laughs> as well. So now it's not yeah. such a big deal. And I feel like my Auburn friends are much kinder for it, <laughs> but they are definitely, there's this, there's this, there's an undercurrent of simmering emotions about, about the state of the Auburn program amongst the Barners that I, that I know as soon as they, as soon as they get their, you know, a higher in or get the program turned around or whatever, man, they're going to be back to obnoxious. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, this is one of those games that I feel like you cannot, you cannot lose this game um, on an annual basis. I think that whatever needs to be done should be done to keep it and get off my lawn. If you think otherwise, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> that's, that's just me. Um, all right. So we can kind of jump into the matchup. So three 30 PM kickoff uh, Dooley field at Sanford stadium between the hedges uh, Auburn, comes in at three and two on the season one and one in the sec uh the game is on cbs uh tom mccarthy play-by-play rick newheisel analyst and sherry burris on the sideline so while it is uh a 330 cbs game it's part of a doubleheader so that's why we have the that broadcast crew it's not uh no no gary danielson for those that, that, that don't like gary um the official hashtag is hashtag AUB versus UGA. John, even though you attempted to remind me, I did not remember to use the official hashtag uh, when <laughs> tweeting about the Missouri game last weekend. Hey, maybe that's part of the struggles. Maybe if we use the official hashtag, we can write the ship there. <laughs> maybe if we use the if we use the official hashtag, uh, I did not go for my usual run that morning. So uh, it's two weeks in a row. I haven't done that. Um, I did go, I did run a half marathon before, but, um, on the day before, but right. I kind of was struggling. I kind of was struggling with leaving, 
leaving the uh, leaving the beach last week. So this week I'm here. This week Carter doesn't actually have a soccer game, so okay. I technically could go to this game, and I may try to negotiate a little mm. bit. We're supposed to go to the pumpkin patch or something last minute, so we'll see. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I might know someone who could get you a ticket. Wink, wink. Hint, hint. Let me know. Are you uh, not going? No, I'm going, but I think I might have oh. one for you. I think I may have. Oh. I may be able to get you one. Okay. So, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it offline. We'll take that offline. <laughs> that, that, that can be in the, the uh, podcast after the podcast. Um, <laughs> let's see. The, the weather uh, looks like a, a great fall uh, weather day. Uh, kind of partly cloudy, high of 75. So, uh, should be a great day for the tailgate, uh, for those who are out and about, um, a chamber of commerce day chamber. Of commerce, yeah. I, I, yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, lo- I don't know. Love good fall weather for this game. Um, you know, it's being, it's being played in the wrong month. Um, but if we could at least get some nice crisp weather, that'd be great. Um, Georgia leads the all-time series 62, 56 and eight. And this is the 127th meeting of the deep South's oldest robbery. So I feel like that just kind of piles on and adds to this whole, like, keep this game, you know, like <laughs> just, you know, uh, 127th time to have this game not been played in annually, I think would be criminal. So, uh, dear sec schedulers, uh, please, please keep that in mind. Um, as I'm, as I, as we were just recording this, I, I think the practice notes from today were posted and Kirby smart actually had, a whole spiel about this with the players. You might want to go over and check that out over at Dog Central. Mm, excellent. About about the rivalry itself. Uh, yeah, he's ta- he just he mentioned. Let's just say that the rivalry was a, a discussion point with uh, with Kirby Smart today, which obviously he has a unique perspective on that as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is your weekly reminder to go and subscribe. To dogcentral.com. And yes, uh, you can get excellent intel and information like that. Amongst amongst many others, injury updates. Um, you know, there's some yeah. some guys maybe coming back. So go check out the go check out the boys. They 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 know their stuff. For sure. For sure. Um, I was looking for some fun facts. I've got one, not just not even really Auburn related initially, but so you know, Georgia did fall back down to number two in the rankings. Uh, after the you know the struggle to defeat Missouri last week, um, but Georgia has been ranked either number one or number two in 19 of the past 21 AP polls, uh, with the other two weeks at number three. So that's a fun fact on on Georgia's ranking. Um, I did have something about. Did you have any Auburn things, John? Uh, you mean the East Alabama Male College? Oh, okay. So that's where I was going. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> They've had several names. They've had several names, which I did, which just 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 goes to show you that these people are just really confused about who they are. <laughs> they can't. They can't. They can't. Oh my gosh! We already knew they couldn't decide on a mascot, much less the name of their school. Apparently, <laughs> correct. I mean, you got the East Alabama Male College. Uh, you got what, what, what were they renamed after that? Like the agricultural and mechanical college of Alabama, like what's... yeah. And then they were like Alabama polytechnic. 
I think was mm. the last one before they were Auburn. So I, if I knew that before today, I don't remember it. This is maybe this is one of those things that I knew at some point and forgot, but like, I found it interesting because I actually, like I went and got out, uh, you know, fraternity brother of ours, Tony Barnhart wrote a book called Southern fried football many years ago. I actually have a, a signed copy that my sister gave me years ago. I was kind of perusing through that just to see, like, did he mention that? Um, you know, like we had the whole mix up where like the, the records against Sanford weren't even right. Cause they had a different name. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and like, I feel like everyone has just always like, you know, if you read the history of the sec, like they'll talk about Auburn, it just always says Auburn. You don't ever see it referred to that name. Um, and they didn't officially become Auburn university until like the sixties. Um, mm-hmm. so I find that interesting. I think from what I gathered, um, I, I tried to look into it a little bit, I think because it is in Auburn, Alabama, I think a lot of people just called it Auburn anyway apparently. Right. And so that's, I think that's kind of part of it, but like, you know, like the helmet that we know today, the AU helmet, like that didn't exist until the sixties. Um, you know, until they were, after they were officially had their official name change, name changed Auburn. So they actually used to have like a, uh, a white helmet just with the numbers on it. So kind of like Alabama, but instead of crimson, it was a white helmet. So, Oh man, that's just, you're going to make, you're going to make some Auburn people rage over that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually what the thing that I found today was like, you know, Alabama wasn't the only team to have numbers on their helmets <laughs> back then. So, uh, all right. That's, that's, that's all I got for the, for the fun facts. That's great. That's great. Um, I got, I got nothing else other than that, that little. No, that was a good one. That, that was a good one. I love that. I love that we had the same poll. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. Weird. Uh, Amazing. Uh, let's see. Let's hit the news and notes. Um, so one one note, uh, Jack Pod is the co-SEC special teams player of the week. And I think rightfully alongside Mr. Rabato, Harrison Mevis, the Missouri kicker. Um, I believe that was the first time we've ever gift another player from another team. And sorry, I didn't even like run that one by you, John. I kind of just tweeted it out after the game. But I thought that was a pretty amazing uh, celebration that he did. You know, considering we won, if we hadn't won that game, I would not have, would not have given that. Um, but so congrats to Jackpot. You know, he, he, uh, he went toe to toe. Wow. That was bad. Toe to toe with the kicker from Missouri. A um, couple of things from Kirby's press conference. Uh, Jalen Carter is out. Uh, there was a timeline given. I, I think it was like two to four weeks, something like that. Uh, I think they're thinking sprained sprained knee from that play that we did discuss in the Missouri review. Uh, there should have been a flag. It wasn't. Um, A.D. Mitchell, again, got the Kirby Smart hopeful kiss of death, unfortunately. Uh, so I would not expect to see A.D. Mitchell back yet this week. Um, but he did say that Javon Bullard should be back. So I think which is kind of what we suspected. That seems like in line with the university policy around alcohol related arrests. So, um, looks like he should be, he should be back. Um, so that, those were the things I gleaned other than what you texted me about, or we were talking about with Kirby's press conference. Yeah. Well, uh, well, you got Kirby's press conference and then, you know, I think that there are some, some updates that, that Graham, that Graham posted today. Cause, um, mm. I do okay. believe that there will be some participants in the in the game that uh that you mentioned that uh very similar to arian smith you know like arian smith wasn't 
there wasn't a whole lot of hype before the before the game for Arian, and then he ended up playing. So we'll see. Gotcha. Um, the other thing I was referring to was Kirby's attire in the press conference. Ah, yes, the, the sweatshirt. The, the the Kirby just just strolls out there with this like uh, I would say nostalgic sweatshirt. Like, wouldn't you say it's a bit of a throwback? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, it yeah. was a nice looking sweatshirt. Kirby gets like the best gear. Like Kirby will wear these pullovers and things, and it's like, where did, is this sold anywhere? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, uh, of course not. He gets yeah. what he gets. What he gets the the Nike special release. Right, I tell seriously. you what, my dad, my dad is for sure going to be looking for that sweatshirt um, because he despises the hoodie trend. And every time I try, mm. like, hey, dad, we went for Christmas. It's like, I want a Georgia sweatshirt that doesn't have a hood on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll show him and I'll find some. And I'll be like, hey, you like this one? You like this one? He's like, no, it's he's very particular about his George sweatshirts. Yeah, I, I know. Like you know, the youths, the youths love love the hoodies. Uh, I, you know, so something I forgot to mention in 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 our Missouri review is why it's coming out a day. The why it did come out a day later. So I'll go ahead and drop that here. You know, I took Lily and I went to the Panthers game um, on Sunday, so I was totally out of pocket Sunday afternoon, and so, uh, but I got, Lily got a fresh new Panthers hoodie. hoodie uh because she only had like a t-shirt and she wanted something um warmer for the game because it was a little windy so uh the kids love the hoodies so i got and i got her a new, new hoodie for the panthers game uh and actually i also have to add shout out greg greg thank you for the tickets uh much appreciated so got to see, sit in uh greg's seats for the panthers game so that's pretty sweet anyways Good i digress time. off of the uh off of the apparel talk <laughs> <laughs> and things i forgot to say last episode um so I had one Auburn note, not so much a note. It's more of a question for you. Like at this point of the season, you know, Auburn is, you know, so they're three and two, they're, they're, they're one and one in the conference. Uh, their only wins um, are over Mercer, San Jose state in Missouri. And, and, and frankly, they should have lost the Missouri game. Um, you know, the most recent, most recent loss to LSU, like how hot is Brian Harson's? seat these days on the planes i would say it's uh every every i know i know you live up in north carolina and it's not exactly sec country up there but Mm. i am solidly in an area and have obviously a lot of auburn folks because it's everybody's favorite backup school um (laughs) so <laughs> Which, in their defense, I was offered a scholarship at Auburn and turned it down because it was my backup school. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so the the folks the folks here, and I do happen to know some boosters at Auburn, and mm. they are they're they are not happy at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I would say that he is solidly in the. Uh, on his way out, um, which would be crazy because I think doesn't he have like an eighty million dollar buyout or something like that? Maybe that was maybe that was da- um, maybe that was Jimbo that someone was talking about. But I imagine that he I mean, he's fairly new. He's, it's what like first. This is what his second year. Yes, correct. Year two. Yeah, so year two. I think that he's got he's get his rope is getting a lot shorter. Let's just say that because I think that the way that they're losing is probably the biggest, 
the biggest issue. And, you know, frankly, like I, (laughs) so here's, here's my thing with these guys from Boise state. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here about Boise state, but like Chris Peterson, Chris Peterson, you don't, you don't hear anything about him anymore. Like he was the hot coaching guy for, from, from Boise state before, because Mm -hmm. he was able to get them into like the Fiesta bowl and their success and, Blah blah blah. Like obviously they had a lot of success, and and he's had a lot of success at um, at Boise State as well. And so here's the, here's the the problem that I have is that you know Washington plucked Chris Peterson, took him to the West Coast. Auburn plucked you know Harson from Boise State and took him to the SEC. Like, I've got another about- one for you. We got another one for you. Dan Hawkins was. You know, preceded Chris Peterson. He he went from Boise State to Colorado, and similar similar fate at Colorado. He he didn't last very long there. Yeah, so I mean, the the writing's on the wall with the the past coaches that came out of Idaho. I really question whoever was in charge of this this coaching hire. Just just straight up, like, did he have like? I don't think he had any connections to the SEC. I don't think he had any showcase that he could recruit at the level that he was going to need to recruit. And he's fumbled the ball multiple steps. Like, I think that they they put out like all these different communications from the program that are just like, what? Like, what is going on? Like, I think they yeah. did one today. Like, they they. They put out some kind of communication about how tigers fight or something like that. Like, <laughs> what? What? Right. What are, you talking? What, are you, what are you doing? Like, this is not how th- we do things in the SEC. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, d- I don't think that he's going to be around very long at all. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would be I would be surprised if if the Auburn coaching job is not uh, open by the end of the year. Okay. Fair. Okay. All right, why don't why don't we move into the matchup stuff? So let's start with the Georgia offense. And I I don't know, maybe I should give you the floor for to air your grievances. <laughs> I got a lot of I got a lot of problems, and you people are gonna hear about it. <laughs> uh, um, oh man. Were we talking yeah. about the offensive line? Well, yeah. So just what are you, what are you looking for when Georgia has the ball in this game? Okay, I'm looking for if A.D. Mitchell is playing in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. If A.D. Mitchell is playing in this game, it's going to present another option for Stetson to go deep. Obviously, I think that everybody knows that A.D. is AD's the man, right? And I think that Stetson mm-hmm. has obviously like warmed to him over the over his time at the, at the university. So. Yep. I think that if A.D. Mitchell is playing, it presents a different beast of a passing attack, which we talked about this on the Missouri Review, is that, and, you know, if you are a Dog Central subscriber, you know, the guys have talked about this, like, and I think that the Senator even, even talked about this. Um, no one, without A.D. Mitchell uh, in the last game, I, I can't remember exactly when he got hurt, if he was out part of the game for, um, you know, uh, they just they just don't trust Georgia's deep passing attack, right? Mm-hmm. And part yeah. of that is because we're missing our deep our, one of our deep threats. And Arian Smith, obviously coming back on, you know that's going to help with mm-hmm. the the passing game deep as well. But I'll be looking for Ad Mitchell's contribution on whether or not he's going to be a big co- contributor or not. Um, 
And then the other thing is, is the, the offensive line, man, just like, it sounds like, you know, I talked about the practice notes from this week. Like um, it sounds like that they're addressing the concerns along the offensive line, which is what I have asked for, you know, I think in the, mm-hmm. te- in the dog central text thread, we, we've talked about this, like that John is, John is hanging off, off of cliff, like he's, <laughs> he's on the cliff and Jim's going to talk him down, which is fair. Like, I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong about this offensive line. I want to be wrong about Stacy Searles. I yeah. just don't have the warm fuzzies with Stacy Searles that I did with Sam Pittman that I did with Matt Luke to figure it out because we saw, I've seen this movie before and I just fear that it's going to matriculate into a worsening situation along the offensive line. That is a huge concern that I have. And I don't know. I I need to see them make the adjustments they need to make in order for this thing to be successful. And if AD Mitchell coming back and presenting a threat that people will have to respect is the answer, then so be it. Yeah. Um, but we have to figure it out because we've got tougher opponents coming up that are going to present bigger and bigger problems, particularly as we start getting into the, the Florida's and the, as the Florida's and the, the Kentucky's of the, of the world are figuring out their, their own teams. Um, and then, you know, looking ahead, you have to figure Georgia's probably going to, you know, walk away with the East. And, you know, we've got Alabama on the horizon potentially as well, who's statistically throwing up some crazy numbers. So yeah. um, I need to see I need to see them just dominate page to page like they did in the beginning of the season is what I need. Yeah. I, and I feel like. So I think it's a great point. I mean, we we haven't really been connecting on the deep ball and we didn't really need it. I don't feel like early on, like, you know, against, against Oregon uh, and against South Carolina, it wasn't so much the deep ball, you know, that we were utilizing to carve them up. It was like a lot of lateral and like quickness. And, um, I, and I feel like we kind of, for whatever reason, I feel like we didn't utilize that enough against Missouri. Um, I, I do wonder if it was a bit of a kind of like square peg round hole. Like we thought there was something we saw in film that was going to work and it didn't work. And we were convinced that it was going to. And so we kept working on it. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, I've seen things like that before in the past. Um, so yeah, I mean, agreed. Uh, definitely want to look, look for the offensive line and then let's, uh, let's see, uh, if the running back performance of Dejon Edwards from last week carries over here. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we Georgia for years now has been a two back system and there's been a one, a and a one B and I want to know what happens when Dejon is one B to Macintosh is one a, I, I, I want that experience. I want that experiment to be conducted and let's see the results. Um, and I feel like, you know, the time is now. Uh, I'd like, I'd like to see that this week. Will we, I don't know, but I think that would be, that's what I would do. <laughs> what do I know? Yeah, well, that's what I would do. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to monitor, we'll have to monitor the practice notes and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll drop a hint to, to Graham to, Hey Graham, can we, can we get some, <laughs> get some inside sources on what's going on with the, the running back situation? Yeah. And maybe, you know what, maybe another thing would be, uh, Hey, maybe let's, uh, increase, uh, th- again, throw back to, to one of your comments from the last episode. 
maybe let's increase uh, the Darnell Washington utilization snap count. And uh, the guy is just a, you know, like a walking mismatch. Uh, not that Brock Bowers isn't. I mean, we got two of the best tight ends in the country. Let's, let's use them both. Yeah, um, ag- agreed. On the Auburn side, uh, linebacker Owen Pepo is Auburn's leading tackler. Um, so, so just to call that out, but I, I, I feel like it's more with the offense. Like I feel like it's more about us than the opponent, frankly, um, not to be dismissive of the Auburn defense, but, um, it's about what, what we do and how we're reacting to what is, what is thrown at us, I think is, is the most important thing is going to be the, the key to our success. So, yeah. Okay. Um, Let's see. What about the the defense? Um, so when Auburn has the ball, I, I I've got a couple of players that I'll, I'll call out for Auburn. So you know they have they have changed quarterbacks. So they're not playing the same quarterback as they were early in the year. Um, so uh, Robbie Ashford is now in a quarterback. He's a freshman from Hoover, Alabama. Uh, he is forty six of eighty five for seven hundred nine yards three touchdowns and three picks. Um, he is also the team's second leading rusher on both total yards gained and on the volume of attempts. Um, so he's got 50 carries for 223 yards and a touchdown. Um, so a, a true dual threat quarterback here at Auburn now. Um, yeah, that's the- crazy. That's crazy. Cause uh, you know, he's got almost as many rushing yards as Tank Bigsby, which if yeah. you'd have told me that before the season, I would have. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little strange, a little strange because it looks like that everything, yeah. everything with this team begins and ends with Robbie Ashford. It's interesting, right? And so you know, I mean, Finley was the guy that we kind of assumed would be there, and he basically got pulled during that. Uh, I don't know. I'll just the loss to Penn State. I was trying to think of like a. <laughs> <laughs> a qualifying <laughs> word because they get they lost that one uh, pretty decisively but yeah so i mean finley got pulled in the penn state game and it's been ashford ever since um so i i mean that is you know again something to watch for with the defense you know how are, how are they going to handle that they're going to have to play good assignment football because this guy will 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 tuck it and run um so you mentioned oh good so, so Robbie Ashford, you know, something to be looking out for here is as much as he brings to the table from a running perspective, mm-hmm. I think that he is a less dangerous quarterback, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's, you know, his completion percentage is significantly lower. Um He's been sacked. He's been sacked a lot more, which tells me that he maybe makes some bad decisions. He's got a touchdown interception ratio. That's basically a push. Um, So, so I think that, I think that we could be in a situation where like, if it gets to him making bad decisions, because one thing that we are very good at is moving laterally along the defense to run down and pace down guys um, that are, that are trying to run the ball. Um, Yeah. I, 
Now, obviously, Jalen Carter being out may be a potential problem up the middle, as we saw. Uh, you know, we had the busted play, busted, busted running play. Um, I think that that's something that could potentially be an issue for us on the interior, depending on what Jalen Carter's availability is. Um, it sounds like he's going to be out. So, yeah, he's yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll watch. We'll watch that situation uh, along along the interior. But that said, typically with these like spread guys, right? And I'm just going back thinking about like the Boise State offenses that you know that we've seen in the past. The the quarterback, generally speaking, is going outside, and if that's if that's the case, that sets up to him running into the teeth, the the buzzsaw teeth of this defense, right? Yeah, I mean, and I think you bring up a good point with, with Carter being out um, in, in in Bigsby. I mean, Bigsby is a good back. Um, you know, he. I mean, he's. I was actually kind of surprised he, with his numbers. Like, he's I feel like they're little, pedestrian numbers. Yeah. Yes, they're lower than like when I went to look up his numbers, they were lower than I expected them to be. So he's the seventh leading rusher in the in the SEC. 69 carries for 326 yards and, and four touchdowns. Um, I kind of thought they would be would be bigger. So I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe is Ash, maybe Ashford's taking away some of those carries. I guess in the way they were running the offense. Now I haven't watched a ton of them. I did have the um, I did you know I had my multi TV set up on my porch this past weekend. So I actually had like I had the Georgia game on. I had the Braves game on over the side, and then I had Auburn LSU going, um, which which brings me. Back to your comment around Ashford's decision making. I don't. I don't know if you saw the pick he threw that kind of sealed the game for LSU. Um, mm-hmm. Poor decision. He's kind of rolling out to the right. Indores either needs to throw it away or just take the sack or something. And I mean, they. You know, it's interesting. Like Missouri should have beaten Auburn. Um, Auburn should have beaten LSU. I mean, they were up. I think seventeen. They were up nothing. big. Yeah, yeah, they're up like seventeen nothing. Um, and, so, and then we're having a different conversation about uh, who's on the hot seat. Is it LSU or is it um, <laughs> is it is it Brian Kelly or is it Brian Harrison? Which Brian? Which Brian yeah. is on the on the hot seat? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Agreed. Um, let's see. The only other guy, just looking at their leading receiver, is Javarius Johnson. Uh, he's got 16 catches for 305 yards on the season with one touchdown. And with that, I was kind of looking through their stats. I, I, one thing that I thought was interesting, um, he is the leading touchdown catcher and no one has more than one receiving touchdown on this team. Uh, they've got a, you know, multiple guys with one TD catch and that's it. There's not a guy that even has two TD catches on the season. I thought that was, that was interesting. Kind of weird. That is, that is kind of weird. Um, also, one other fun fact, they do have a not quite as much used tight end with two catches for 40 yards, Tyler Fromm. <laughs> he sounds familiar. That, sounds, that, sounds that, familiar. That name, that name sounds really familiar. Where do I know that name from? He did. He actually. He didn't. He make like. Uh, didn't Bo Nix throw like Bo Nix threw some kind of crazy pass to him last last year to win some game. I don't remember, but um, that is a thing. You know, this is first time in a long time we played Auburn without Bo Nix. It's like I, I, you know, I don't really remember what it's it's like to play them without Bo Nix. So it's gonna be. I kind of <laughs> I, I miss but I miss Bo Nix just kind of running around in the back. And we got to see him this year, and anyway, so I guess that gives us some solace. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I guess the other thing on the defense, like, you know, so, I mean, Kirby said he does expect Bullard to be back. So that was one of your questions in Missouri review. Um, so another thing to watch out for is with assuming Bullard is available, does he just immediately retake that star position? Did they see something in Tyke Smith? You know, what does that rotation look like? Um, that'll be something to watch for, um, as well. And then just the secondary, you know, um, how, how can, can we, uh, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. Is it fair to say that we need to clean up the deep ball? I'm not sure. I mean, cause they didn't hit a ton of them. Missouri didn't. Um, I don't know how, how concerned I should be about that or not. Um, but something else, something just to keep, just to keep watching just with the, with the youth of Lassiter and, um, I mean, frankly, hope get Ringo kind of like back in into form a bit as well. So, yes, agreed, agreed. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see, we'll see how we'll see how things go again. I think that the like like we mentioned on the on the review show, the defense I think is. I'm not worried about the defense, even like the blown coverages and even like some of the leadership, you know, potential holes that we have on, on the defensive side. Um, the defense is still performing at an elite level. Um, it's really the offense. Mm. And frankly, like it all starts and ends with the offensive line because Stetson was running for, for his life. You know, yeah. he got, he got, he got drilled. He was getting hit. Like we talked about Monken. Like, I don't know if you, was making some different calls or what, but like, or if, if for the second week in a row, they're just trying to manufacture difficulty for the offense, <laughs> like telling them to do all the things that they're not good at doing. Right. Um, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. I really have no idea. Maybe they're, they're just trying to throw, throw the number one ranking so that they got rid of some of that rat poison and allowed Nick Saban to get some rat poison. I don't know. Um, but what I do know is, is that I just need to see some dominance again amongst, uh, amongst the, the offensive line. And that's, that's what I'm yeah. looking for. Yep. Yep. Fair. Uh, I don't have, uh, much on the special teams notes. Um, you know, I, I feel like they continue to be solid. Um, Thorson has been great at punter. You know, he, he actually got in some, some work, got some reps. Uh, you know, I know he, we had the, he joked with Stetson at the first game that Stetson hates Australians. You know, we don't need to like him to like Australians so much that Thorson has to punt as much as he did last week. Um, but he, he continues to look good. So that's, that, that was, you know, a, a bit of a concern or an unknown coming into the season, you know, replacing Kamarda. Um, so that's been good. And jackpot, obviously, special teams player of the week. And, you know, something we didn't talk about, uh, we did not, I don't re- believe we actually returned a, a punt against uh, Missouri. I think they were all fair catches. Um, so we'll see if maybe uh, Kirby's ready to take the handcuffs off a of lad yet this week. That'll be something to watch for. Or Kieras. Or Kieras. Never doubt, never doubt Kieras. Never, never doubt Kieras. He had a pretty good kick return last week, by the way. But anyways. I thought I was going to bust it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, before we get into the listener questions, uh, would like to remind everyone that season three of my got a podcast is brought to you by Oxy time. Uh, Oxy time is a custom watch company 
And if you want to commemorate the dog's national championship in style, you've got to check out their Georgia national championship timepieces. Now, John, I mentioned that we're about to go into the listener questions. I'm kind of surprised we did not get a listener question about whether Georgia will or will not wear black jerseys, uh, unless I miss one. So I haven't seen really any blackout talk this week. I think that's probably a good thing. I think everyone has kind of come to terms with the fact that <laughs> Kirby's not going <laughs> to allow the black bust it out. Yes. But if you would like an Oxyatime blackout watch, uh, those are now now available at Oxyatime.com. Um, so you know, John and I have. Uh, the the first watch that they came out with uh, for the 2021 national champions, um, as we've mentioned before, it is officially licensed by both the by both the University of Georgia and the college football playoff, and that's also the case with this new watch. Uh, so it's a great look, uh, black you know black face, black band. Uh, definitely go check that out. So if you want to take a look, see what it looks like, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's a x i a. T-I-M-E.com. Um, and exclusively for our listeners, you can get 10% off these timepieces using code MyGotAPodcast at checkout. The last thing I'll add is the, the pictures of these are great on the site, but if you have to see one in person, uh, come find me. Uh, John, we've talked about you may be there um, for the game. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be around town in Athens. I'll be wearing my watch. Uh, so if you want to, you know, just come up and, and say, Hey, and I'm happy to show it to you and, uh, show you why I think it'd be a great purchase for you and a great, uh, gift for this holiday season. Yes. Uh, a gift, a gift for the, the hard to please Georgia fan, the nice Swiss made self-winding movement watch. It's, it's an, it's an awesome timepiece. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. I, I am loving mine. All right. Let's hit the listener questions. All right, first up, 51-7 to GATA. As we get ready for another Auburn game, with all of the crazy games over the years, out of these three, which was your favorite? Uh, A, 1992, stay down, you guys. B, 1994, sometimes a tie equals a win. And C, 1996, that first overtime game. Um, I will add, you know, a friend of the show, Tim Riley, added, I've got to fix his year. Uh, 2002, the time Jim and I were on TV and in the paper. So if you'll recall, uh, 20 years ago, by the way, that was the Michael Johnson uh, touchdown catch. This is the, the, the 20th anniversary, although it's earlier in the season, but whatever, uh, of that that happening. So I, don't, I, I know, John, like your Georgia fandom was later blooming in life than mine. So I'm not sure if you are even as familiar with the other three. I am only because of the the history lessons that I've taken over the years, but I would say that 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 two thousand that, that was the Johnson was two thousand two, right? Yeah, two thousand two. Yeah, I would say that that one would be my favorite moment, just because it was something I lived I lived through personally. Right. Fair. Not to say I didn't live through. Not to say I didn't live through the other ones. I just wasn't fully aware. Right. You weren't. You weren't like <laughs> actively watching them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, I probably would have picked that one too, but I'm going to go to the man. And I have like a story with, like, I remember like where I was and what was going on with all three of the other ones. Um, I will, I will say 1996 though. Um, because that one, the unique thing about that one and apologies if if I've talked about this on here before or not, I can't really remember. Um, I was in the car, uh, when the game got tied to go to overtime. So we were set to go visit my grandparents that day. 
and we we had to like the game you know was running long and so we had to leave so we left and so we were just listening to munson so uh you know when bobo threw that thing in the end zone as uh as munson said uh you know we were only being guided by larry munson's voice and so i experienced the game tying touchdown to Corey allen uh who's a member of Bulldog Bourbon Social Club. <laughs> um, <laughs> when, when he threw that, when, when Bobo threw that pass to Corey Allen, I was listening to Munson, you know, had, had no TV, listened to all the overtimes, uh, had only Munson to guide us. So I'll, I'll pick that one of those, of those three, 51 to 7 GTA. Nice. All right, next up, UGA Hoops Mafia. What would y'all say is the most iconic moment in the rivalry? I would say when Aga lunged at uh, the name is escaping me i got lunging at the auburn player is probably the, the yeah that's got to be one of the most iconic moments right like as far as like a positive now like on the negative side like getting the hoses turned on you is a, <laughs> an, a <laughs> yeah pretty pretty memorable as well but yeah you know the johnson in the end zone like i don't know i'm just thinking about like uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think of like the posterized moments, but like, hmm. Now I, I'm even, I, now I'm even now I'm even like going back and like remembering like the blackout moment, like the moment that they mm. came out in the jerseys for the blackout. So yeah. Oh man, I would say that the blackout one is probably one of the more iconic moments because of just how it all went down and yeah. Just I wasn't there, but I was watching, and I remember thinking to myself, "Holy crap, that sounds really loud!" And that that checks out. <laughs> yeah, it was loud. I, I was there. I've never heard. It's never been that loud when the team ran out because people didn't. You know, we didn't know it was going to happen, or we thought mm-hmm. it might happen, but we didn't know. Um, man, now you've got me on that on that track in my mind. Uh, so funny story. You remember that was like the Soldier Boy game, also. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they played Soldier Boy in, in the same month of season. And there's the, you know, I feel like the real iconic moment was uh, Vern and Gary dancing to Soldier Boy. They were dancing <laughs> <laughs> in the booth. So uh, I got I got to plug, uh, you know, one of our fellow Dog Central podcasts, 100 Sanford. Uh, they had Coach Rick on recently, and they talked about that, and they talked about Soldier Boy and. I'm going to paraphrase, but Coach Rich said, yeah, you know, we used to play Soldier Boy in the stadium, but then I found out what the lyrics meant, and I put an end to it. <laughs> so That is, apparently he, that is he, 100% on brand. Uh, <laughs> so, at any rate, so mine was Ugga, it, uh, and it was Robert Baker, by the way. Robert Baker is a player that Ugga lunged at, and I, I mean, I think that's it for me, and that's, that, that's from that same game. That's from the 1996 overtime game, so that would be mine. Um, right. let's see. Next up, Fletcher Proctor is Nick Fairley the most hated Georgia opponent ever for trying to kill Aaron Murray back in 2010. Um, he said, I feel like everyone hates him, but was that, but that was just one game. Uh, he throws out some others. Tebow beat us three times. Joe Hamilton had like 435 yards. Peyton was four and oh, uh, Danny Warfel, seven touchdowns in two games, five in Sanford. Um, so yeah, I don't know that Nick Fairley is necessarily the most hated. I, I, I mean, at the time, yes. Like I was so fired up Nick fairly. And then what like trooper Taylor, I think was like the assistant coach, like waving his towel nonstop yeah. that game. That, that was uh, going to be, I, it was, <laughs> it's either got to be Nick fairly or trooper Taylor. 
So I don't know. And, you know, like for some of the other ones, like Peyton Manning, like I hated him a lot back then, but now like, I just think of him as, you know, I mean like whatever, like he didn't win a national championship. Uh, I mean, he owned us and I really hated him back then, but that's kind of faded for me personally. I kind of, I think of Peyton as an NFL quarterback now for whatever reason. So I think that like, when I think of most hated, like I think of, I think of something like a Nick Farrelly situation. Yeah. Um, but like when you talk about like most hated just because they beat you all the time, like a Steve Spurrier situation. He mentioned Spurrier as a, as on the coach level for sure. Yeah. yeah. Not as yeah. a player, but as a coach. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't top coach coach Spurrier. There's no way. But Nick Fairley for me, for sure. I, I I'm yeah. Dirty, 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 dirty. Yeah. Um, at the time, I, I do think Joe Hamilton is a pretty good one um, as far as, you know, like he was – I mean, that guy was very good. He was very good, and, you know, he beat us my first two years of college. Um, so I, I think that's another good one. But, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, but the Nick Fairley – and I know it was just that one game, but, like, but like, but like holy cow. But like, like, I mean, he, like, speared Aaron Murray in the back, you know? He did. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah, it came at him. But, like, like Joe Hamilton, like – I mean, I don't like what, what do you hate? Like the hate. You just well, yeah, hate that's, yeah so, I mean, he, and he was he, so like, good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He didn't do anything like specifically. And he actually, and, actually seems like pretty nice. <laughs> he seems <laughs> like honest. a nice guy. And Tebow, and Tebow <laughs> yeah. seems like a nice guy. Like if right. he was our quarterback, like they would have built a statue. Fair. Like fair. Danny Werfel, same thing. Like Peyton Manning, same thing. Like, I mean, what, other than mm. being, other than, other than being yeah, like a you know Papa John's pizza hawker, like <laughs> the fact that you can't you can't like turn your head <laughs> during football season and not see him somewhere. True, true. Okay, I, I just I just think of like the seething hate Nick Fairley for sure. Right, I think that I think you you've won me over. You've won me over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, Chris Dog ninety. Which last or present oh. tiger would you like to get bit by Uga? Which I put this one after the last one because obviously the answer is Nick Fairley. <laughs> oh, we're talking about actual players. I thought he was talking about like past, like Mike the Tigers or whatever. Like <laughs> Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> I think he means Auburn player. Yeah, Auburn player. Yeah, Nick Fairley for sure. Yeah. Like just just give him a nice like. Just, just a nice big bite out of your. <laughs> Sorry, about it. Sorry. About it. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Michael D. Why is the Deep South's oldest rivalry such a crazy contest that makes no sense? Nine out of ten years. Uh, and he said, in all seriousness, is this week once again Stiquavius time? Hashtag. So, what do you think, John? Do we see the return of Stiquavius this week? Uh, how, how are we, how are we defining the return of Stiquavius? Like, is this, mm. is this like Stetson Bennett as the, this ruthless, ruthless gunslinger, the 250 yards passing one rushing so touchdown? Stetson I, I, Bennett? I didn't write it in. So I'm going to have to say this from memory. Cause you know, John Michael D does like to pre-clarify for you, John. Um, yes. he said, uh, like stick, like Oregon game Stiquavius, like, yeah. you know, lights out. Lights, lights out, Stetson. 
I I would like I would like for it to be Stequavius time, but I'm just going to go back to my doubts on the offensive line. Mm. Yeah, like I like I said on the Missouri preview, I feel like that they gave the template for how to beat this defense, and until or how to beat this offense, uh, which is just for the defense to bring the house. And yeah. I'm I need to see them give an answer. So I'm going to say that that's a push. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, I think we could see it if the offensive line can can protect them. And, and I you know I feel like the same thing has been true of the running backs, right? Like we've talked about, like last week we talked about like the running backs being able to get the yards before contact, right? Like having those holes, and they were there late in the game against Missouri. They certainly weren't there in the first half. So yeah, mm-hmm. we definitely want to see uh, the offensive line step up a bit. Mm-hmm. Green. Okay, uh, let's see. Chad Jarvis is Jalen Carter the most important piece to this entire team? And I, I wanted to throw this one back um, because you know we we got a question earlier in the season, and uh, I apologize, I'm blanking. I think it was Hug Dog on like was was Malachi Starks the MVP of the defense to that point in the season? And our and our yeah you know, we threw him out there as a good one. Um, but I think we were kind of trying to come up with other folks who it might be. And, and Jalen Carter is who we landed on. I, I feel like we've kind of seen that come to light through his absence, uh, how important he is. So I, I mean, on the entire team, I, certainly on the defense. So, uh, yes. Okay. So you just, you just hit, you just hit the clarifying statement. I was just about to clarify. Yeah. So is Jalen Carter the most MVP of the defense? Um, yes and yes i mean i don't know the the missouri the missouri game was we we dominated them from a defensive standpoint so to say that he was like most important is patently false because he was one of the lowest snap count guys i think he only had like nine snaps on defense and we still dominated them from a defensive standpoint so like i'm not again i i say that to say that like is having him there much better because he was the highest graded. He was the highest graded defender that we had on the defense that, you know, obviously didn't play as much. So Mm -hmm. is he, is he important? Yes. Does he make things, does he make life easier for the, this team? Yes, absolutely. Is he the most important piece of the entire team? I'm, I'm not uh, based on the last two weeks. I'm not so certain. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and say that Cedric Van Pran is the most important piece to this entire team. And I'm going to give you a long-winded way of saying why. <laughs> okay, hit me with it. He had his worst game this mm. past this past week. Um when the central, when the central piece of your offensive line is underperforming, it makes the entire system not work right. So if Cedric Van Pran is having his worst game, the other offensive linemen are also having their worst game because they're having mm-hmm. to pick up the slack that they frankly, like, I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Ratledge, I feel like was, I'm not sure what's going on with him. It's almost like a Kendall Milton situation. Like haven't really seen him at a hundred percent for a, a long period of time. And I'm not sure yeah. that he's a hundred percent. Right. So from where I sit, I feel like Cedric Van Pran has to be the anchor of this entire team because 
if he's not performing, the offense isn't humming. And if the offensive line is not humming, then this, this it's going to be a struggle bus. It's going to be a struggle for every – every game is going to be like Missouri where Stetson's running for his life. And if Stetson's running for his life, that creates a big problem as we start to uh, as we start to face these tougher defenses. So for me, the, the most important piece to the entire team is Cedric Van Perren. And that's a really good answer. I can't, I can't argue with that. (laughs) (laughs) That was quite well thought out, John. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I, again, like this is, this is JP like hanging from the cliff. (laughs) I haven't jumped, I haven't jumped off the cliff, but I'm hanging on the cliff waiting to see what happens with this offensive line, because I just don't see it. I haven't seen it. I need to see it. I need to see it again and you know what we saw at the beginning of the season with okay we've we've talked about this Oregon I'm not so certain that they were as good as we thought that they were going to be we'll see how their season pans out how they've been they've looked good since oh just quick they haven't they, they look pretty good but continue okay well I beg to differ but you know we'll see we'll see what well, they happens. haven't lost they haven't lost well obviously <laughs> they, I mean they haven't lost but like have they, who, who have they played? Like they, they played anybody, Paul. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, South Carolina is coached by Shane Beamer, who is in over his head. Um, and then we've, we, to the, to this point, we've played basically nobody, right? Like that's my, that's my, that's my kickback on that. Is You're that saying we, we ain't played really, nobody, Paul? We ain't played nobody, Paul. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. And that's why I am solidly on the cliff. Because I am fearful of what I'm seeing from the Alabama side from a from a statistical standpoint, like the net yards per play metric that like the senator and we talked about this last last season. I haven't been monitoring it as much this season, but I noticed that it has dropped precipitously from the first from the beginning of, of the season. And that's a metric I'm going to continue looking at. I think we're sitting at like 2.5 net yards per play and Bama is at like 4.3 or something like that, which is Mm. like, I think I can't remember what we were last year, but I want to say that we were in the high threes, if I remember correctly. Um, But there is, there's a number that the Senator talked about that like every single national champion has been at this number or above as, as a precursor for winning the national championship. And I believe that we're trending under that number right now. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, a quick look at Oregon's schedule. BYU, I think is the best team they've beaten. Um, so just for what that's worth. Um, let's see. We've got, we've got some brotherly, brotherly love coming up with the next two questions. So dogs forever. How are we feeling about the spread? Which well, maybe we can count. <laughs> agreed yeah so in our uh terrible terrible that's my brother-in-law terrible in our pre-podcast uh session <laughs> we talked about that like whoa what's going on in this red so we'll get to that in a bit um but hey hey michael smith on twitter m dubs which position group needs to have the biggest bounce back this week uh feel like the obvious answer is offensive line but i think maybe you quarterback maybe tight ends um I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming you're in the offensive line camp based on the yes. talk thus far. Yeah. I, I, I think blame, that's the answer. I think that's the I, answer. 
I, I believe that's the answer. I blame the offensive line for everything that's going wrong on the offense. Like tight ends, frankly, I, I don't know how you could even say that, but um, the, the as the offensive line goes, so does the offense go. But the, the, yeah. the, the game games are won in the trenches. Like there's one side of the trench that is outperforming itself, and there's another side of the trench that is underwhelming to say the least. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, we've done a lot of running behind our big tight ends too, right? I mean, like we're when we get to the outside and we can run behind them. Uh, that's what we did on that, you know, the, that fourth down play with Kenny McIntosh um, against Missouri. Um, I think that's what we did on like the on the on those jet sweeps. Uh, we had Kenny McIntosh run. We had um, we had Dejon Edwards run one, and, and they're kind of finding and running behind those tight ends. So. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like picking up for the slack of where the offensive line is lacking. So, Coach mm-hmm. Searles, Coach Munkin, let's well, you know, let's let's figure it out. <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Next up, British Bulldog, uh, former guest of my God podcast, also future guest. We we do, by the way, we we are we will have Chris back. We've talked about it. We're just trying to line up the timing and exactly when that happened. But we will uh, we will have Chris on again to to hear his his full story of his trip to Georgia. Um, who do you see being the leading running back by the end of the year? Um, leading in terms of what? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. So yeah, I almost I asked Chris. the starting running back, running back one? like Right. I, I mean, to me, I think it's like running back. Well, oh, let's, let's put it this way. I mean, right now, um, so if you look at rushing yards, Mm-hmm. I yes. mean, Kendall Milton yeah. is the leading rusher right now in like basically every category. Yards, he's got the most. He has the highest yards per carry. He has the longest rush of the year among running backs, and he has the most touchdowns. So he's got four touchdowns. Dejon has one. McIntosh has two, as far as rushing goes. Um, so I, I don't, I, I don't know. I okay. Here, here's. I, I feel like you and I both kind of want to say Dejon Edwards. But I'm going to say this. I feel like Kenny McIntosh kind of asserted himself as the alpha in the room against Missouri. And here's why you had, you know, he had an injury. He had his like thigh, like deep contusion to the point where we thought he wasn't going to play. He not only played, but he started and he played very well. Um, he was fighting through tackles. Um, we've, I've, I've mentioned it multiple times that that fourth down play that he had where he, he ran through a tackle, um, you know, he doesn't make that, that was our first, that was on the drive where we scored our first touchdown. Um, to that point, we had only kicked four field goals. And, you know, if, if we turn the ball over on downs there, we might not be talking about the five and zero George Bulldogs. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think we'll kind of end up, it, it's, it's going to be a committee and there's going to be a one A and one B. Um, I'm actually leaning Kenny McIntosh though. Hmm. I'm not sure he's going to be the leading, but if the question is leading rusher, that's probably not the answer because he's, he's so into the passing game. But as far as like who's RB1, who's starting, to me, it, it stays McIntosh. Feel free to disagree. I'm I'm definitely going to disagree with you because I definitely have – I think Kenny McIntosh is the X fact. The reason that Kenny – here's where I, I – I believe that the reason that Kenny McIntosh is the starting running back – is because of what he brings to the table in the passing game and things that are outside the realm of traditional running 
mm-hmm. r- a traditional rushing attack. He basically is a more versatile running back, I feel like, than Kendall yeah. or, or Dacian. Um, I, uh, so here's my thing is I believe that if Dejan Edwards can continue on his trajectory, he's going to take over as running back one. Okay. And I feel like that that is going to be the case because I am going to be looking to see where his snap count trend is. And that's something that I'm going to, I'm going to check this out because we talked about this in the last episode. I believe that he worked himself into more snaps that he should be a part of. And I want to look at that and go back and look at all the snap counts that John's been posting for Dejan to see how that trends over time. Gotcha. Um, I believe that he is already at or close to. uh, Yes. So already here. So last year he had 49 he had 49 attempts for 215 yards. He averaged 4.4 yards per carry, um, three touchdowns, had a long of 31, two receptions, 42 yards. So he's already he's already surpassed. They obviously they are they obviously trust him more with the receptions side of things because he's already caught six passes mm-hmm. for 54 yards. So he's already surpassed his yardage total from last year. He's on track to surpass probably either this game or the next game, depending on what his snap counts look like and what his attempts look like. He's going to surpass the 21 numbers here pretty quickly. And he's definitely going to, pers- he's, like this is basically going to be his, his coming out party for next year. And so that's why I say, like, I think that the way that this is trending is that I believe that he's going to be a big part of the offense next year. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I got, I got Kenny Mack. You got Dejan. Neither of us with leading rusher, <laughs> Kendall Milton. Um, we'll see. We'll 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 see what happens. I, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting thing to follow throughout the rest of the year. Um, let's see. Friend of the show, Tim Riley, is back again with a question. Uh, where <laughs> where are the Oregon slash USC junior dogs hiding, and what will it take to get them back on the field? Give your opinion on the critical missing pieces hindering the early success we saw this year. I mean, I think I I, I think it's actually back to what you said. It's it's the difference of the when the offensive line protects and blocks and gives sets and time and gives the running backs a crease. Like that's been the difference. So and I think it I think part of it comes to what you mentioned earlier, right? Around Tate Ratledge and like in in his health. Um I think I mean, it clearly it seems like the coaches feel like he's the best option at right guard right now, but I don't think he's back to his normal self pre foot injury. Um, you know, he's still working his way back. And to your point on the schedule, I think this, the schedule, the schedule has been kind enough to get him back into form to get other people up to speed. We, we kind of knew that going into the season, right? Like um, that we were going to have, have, have some ramp up time after the opener, um to to get everything time to gel i think <laughs> everyone was kind of thinking it was going to be the defense who were waiting waiting to gel um but you know i, I did ask preseason were we overthinking this and it's going to be like a defensive led team because it's a kirby smart team <laughs> so i don't know yeah i uh, <laughs> i hate having to go back to this every can- single 
time, but it's it's the offensive line, man. I just yeah. need the offensive yep. line to be more consistent. And I hate to beat the dead horse, but Stacy Searle's offensive lines <laughs> are just not good, man. Like I just don't think that. I just look back, like if you look back at those that time period when he was at UGA previously, it's like just look at those rosters. Look at the rosters that we had on offense mm-hmm. and what we were and what we were able to generate from that. Like, yeah, it's 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 not good. It's it's just not good. And we have that level of talent, if not more, mm-hmm. on on offense right now. And we can't we can't we can't freaking figure it out. And that's what I'm waiting. I need someone. I need someone to show me that they can reverse this. Yeah, and I believe that Kirby is that person because he immediately addressed the offensive coordinator position with, with Coley. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is that I, I feel like that we have a window here with this talent to repeat as national champions, because I do believe that we have the talent. It's just a matter of getting that talent to perform at the level that we need them to, to generate that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Jimmy Duncan. uh, Is this the start of a trend with our defense versus Kent state and Missouri, or are these anomalies? Can we fix the issues through watching tape, rotating players, et cetera? Are we just getting outsmarted? Cheers and go dogs. I, I think you, you had talked about earlier, like you're less concerned about the defense, right? Which I think I, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like anything that we're seeing with the defense is correctable and that frankly hasn't been that bad. I mean, they've, I mean, they won this last game really. Right. I mean, to, to hold the team to, to hold Missouri to so many field goals won the game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else we can ask of the defense when they're given territorial advantage of like mm. <laughs> short. I mean, look at this, look at the average, average starting spot for the defense over the last couple of games. I would imagine that that looks very differently from the previous game. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think fixing these issues comes with fixing the offense. And like I said, every all, all things flow through Stacy Cyril's offensive line. <laughs> This is where I'm gonna have to like change the title of this episode to be like the one where John talks about Stacy Searles. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's it's it is what it is. Like I know, I, mean, I know, I know. It, 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 like I said, like we've got this is trench warfare, and we've got one side that's holding up their end of the deal. Yeah, and we've got the other side that is not. Or at yeah. Least, I, has it hasn't consistently, I guess. Is hasn't what I consistently. Say. Yeah. Cause I, I do think, yeah. I mean, like in the second half against Missouri, we did see the holes start to open up for the running backs. I mean, like the long Kenny McIntosh run, like the enormous hole. Um, I do. I, 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 again, let's, let's see when we look at like the film review of this next game, uh, you know, do they adjustments were made against Missouri, right? Like things changed from the first half to the second half. It was a tale. It was a tale of two halves. Um, and can that trend continue? Because if the first half was the same as the second half against Missouri, I don't think you're panicking quite as much. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they learn something. Um, let's see if we don't have to adjust at halftime this next game, right? Like, can we just do it from the? Can we do it from the start? Which is what I was hoping we we're going to see last week, and clearly we didn't. So. Maybe we can see that against Auburn. Yeah, I mean, seriously, we need we need we need bell to bell dominance here because we need to build some depth and we need to build 
we need to build some reps in some of these quarterbacks, right? Like we need to <laughs> have we need to have Stetson not running for his life in the fourth quarter. Although, I mean, to be fair, there's only there's only been two games in the season where Stetson had to play all four quarters. So mm-hmm. out of five. I mean, you know, Kent State, you wouldn't think he would need to, but and when and when have those two games come? The The last last two two games. Yeah, the last (laughs) two weeks. Right. Yeah. But I mean, so here's my here's my quick talk, John, off off the ledge. Like most championship teams go through things like this. And like I said before, I said in the Missouri review, like the 2019 South Carolina game was a game where like everything went wrong and we lost. And in this game, almost everything went went wrong and we were able to hang on. We we're able to win. You know, you look at so many championship teams that lose to completely inferior teams on the road, like those Clemson national championship teams and or Dabo. I mean, you know, other than what the Lawrence here, like, I mean, you know, they're usually losing some game on the road to like Syracuse or, or Pitt or something. Right. Where, um, where, where Alabama, was that game last year? What? Where was that game last year? There wasn't one other than the SEC championship game. Do you, exactly. is this, is this team last year's team? I mean, that's the other thing, right? Like, I think we all got so giddy after the first two weeks that we were talking about, Oh, is this team even better than last year's team? You know, and it, <laughs> clearly, clearly it's not, I think we can put that to bed at least not yet, not yet to this, so to this I, point, but I would, I would go so far as to say that I believe the defense absolutely is, especially when Jalen Carter's not getting kneecapped by Missouri linemen. <laughs> you think this, this defense is not better than last year's defense. I, I I believe that had things panned out differently for the offense, the defense would have have been put in situations that would have been like okay. detrimental. I see what you're saying. As detrimental to their stats, like basically what I'm saying is, is the offense has hung the defense out to dry the last right. two games. Right. If the offense gets this job done, we we boat race both of those teams. Like just yeah. period period end of story. Like you remove yeah. the turnovers. You remove the drops. You execute the way that you're the way that they are like used to executing on the offensive side. Like even even you could I I could forgive some of the offensive line mistakes, but like when you have Stetson Bennett hitting wide receivers coming out of their breaks in the hands and they drop the ball, that's a huge problem that did not really happen a whole lot last year. When you have Darnell Washington dropping balls that did not happen a whole lot last year. Whoa, what have, did, did Darnell didn't drop a ball? Yes, he's dropped balls. That, he's dropped balls this year. Yeah, I mean, not the, I mean, this game I would say it was more like Stetson overthrew him when he was open for a touchdown. But I'm just saying, dude, like, like, okay, Alabama last year went and lost on the road to an unranked Texas A&M. Like these things happen. So the fact that we didn't lose, I mean, we are five and zero. We, are we haven't lost. We are five and zero in Kirby. We trust. Like in you know, Kirby I, I'm trust, not saying like that, that, sure. that there's not possibility. Like, are there things to clean up? Yes. And like, um, I will. I'll get back to a text that Josh sent. I don't know if you remember this because it's like kind of in the heat of the thing where like we were trying to come back and he's like, guys, this is fun. <laughs> it's like, it was like, oh, Josh, like what are you talking about? But like, yeah, we haven't had a game like this. Like. You know, I mean, like I, we talked about, it, it was the biggest, the biggest comeback win since the Rose Bowl. You know, we're not going to blow out every team by 30 points as much as we want to. It's not going to happen. And was Missouri inferior? Should we have beat them? Yes. And like, and you're totally right. And there's, there's, there's things to, to clean up. 
But I mean, at the end of the day, like survive in advance, move on. We're five and zero, and let's let's trust the coaches to to clean it up and fix it. If they don't, it's gonna bite us. Like yeah, for you know? sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, that's why I haven't completely jumped off. That's why. Yeah. I've got, <laughs> that's right. I've, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging, hanging on. on. I'm, 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 I'm looking. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Uh, Stacy Ciro uh, still here? Uh, awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, now it is time. For Coach Trillbills, over hours. As always, Coach will attract these for us. Uh, let's jump right in to the offensive over unders, uh, offensive touchdowns over under 4.5. Yeah, I mean, I'll go first on the first one. Uh, I've got under. Wow. Okay. I'm going to go over. Okay. Um, over under 315 passing yards for Georgia. Under. Okay. Ooh, I'm going to go over. Um, Oof. Oof. over <laughs> under, be, st- be still my heart <laughs> over under, uh, 150 rushing yards for Georgia. Um, I guess it's my turn, uh, over. Now you got me wondering what's the average. <laughs> Georgia averages 178.6 yards a game rushing. That's what I'm looking for. I'm going to go over. Okay. Um, Okay, so going to the defense, uh, Georgia forces one over under 1.5 turnovers. Hmm. I'm going to go over. Okay, same, because I wrote this down ahead of time, so I can't waffle. Um, <laughs> Georgia allows over under 1.5 touchdowns. Over. Agreed, over. And let's see. Uh, over under 295 yards allowed by the Georgia defense. Is it my turn? I believe I'll say it. it. I believe over. It is. I said over. They're going to go over 295. Going to go over. Georgia is allowing 264 on average. Auburn averages 389 80, yards. 89. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. That's yeah. what I was looking at. So we're going to ask them to outperform by 105 yards on that total yards. Two, no, well, go, 295. Oh, yeah, Georgia. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Georgia's defense to outperform by that. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> the fact that Coach Trillbill has you, uh, is tracking these has you way overthinking this. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, so, okay. So for special teams over under, he's got, uh, any combination of any of these things, a blocked punt, a blocked kick or a special teams touchdown over under 0.5. Over. Okay. I'm going to go under and I'm going to give my logic on this one. Cause I decided I'm not going over on any other special teams until they actually do it. Um, and then <laughs> finally miscellaneous <laughs> miscellaneous section over under Auburn is a basketball school references during the game on Twitter over under sit at 10. 
the exact words. I mean, how, how are we tracking that one? Come on, these are the these are the wacky miscellaneous ones, John. You just got to roll with the punches. I'm, I'm gonna go under. Under. Ooh, ooh. I have wrote down over. So, coach, this is the first time we disagreed on one of the weird ones, and now John's gonna claim she I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna, have, to, right. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go. I have to go over because I can just. I can game that by by doing the mentions. So on now Twitter. you're now you're changing. Now you're changing. Yeah, this is one that you can you can like literally you can, manipulate you know, you can affect it. <laughs> so if you tweet it, you know, ten times, then it's the over. Uh, I think it's the over. Exactly. All right, all right. Thanks to Coach Trill for sending them in and and for now tracking them as well. Um, <laughs> and Coach, looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. Uh, assuming you'll be there. All right, so for our final predictions, um, the line is set at Georgia is favored by 29 and a half. Uh, so back to Dogs River for your question. Oh, that's a big spread. Um, over under is at 50. So that gives us an implied score of Georgia 39.75 to Auburn 10.25. Um I actually don't even have, I usually have like what the, oh, maybe I do have it. The odd shark predicted score that we look at has Georgia 42.2 to 16.8. Uh, so they're predicting that Georgia will win. Auburn will cover and the total will hit the over. I don't know. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I had a, I had a score. I had a score kind of in mind. I'm looking okay. at like 4517. 4517. Okay. Um I love how we're we're about to get into something here because I love how you're like you're <laughs> I I I just like went through my diatribe of like John, come on, like why are you freaking out so much? And then you're like, yeah, 45 to 17. <laughs> um I actually kind of was like, I don't know that I can keep picking the same kind of scores as I've been. I will, I will say that like, I am a little gun shy um, of the lofty scores. I mean, I expect Georgia to win this game. Not like I'm going to like pretty just to lose or something, Um, but I've got a much tighter game than you do. At least Um, I've got Georgia 30 Auburn 17. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of over the outlandish. We're going to totally blow everyone out. I, I expect us to win. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. That's my guess. Am I, am I wrong? Or did you predict an over <laughs> the number of touchdowns that you predicted matched with your, your score? Are you trying to pull uh, David Wright <laughs> on me? <laughs> didn't you say it wasn't coaches over unders like 4.5 or something like that yeah and i said under i thought you said over okay. no i said under i did yeah mm-hmm. you said over i said under yeah okay. it actually does line up although i my my stance is always that they don't have to line up they they actually <laughs> do here but i feel like you don't have to because it's called uh hedging your bets you can hedge your bets yeah <laughs> so Okay, so while while we're on the topic, uh, so David, I know you listen. David sent me a message uh, last week and 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 gave me two two pieces of information. One, 
John, he called you out for doing what you just were saying that I was doing because like you had some math to add, add up, but like I said, it doesn't matter. Two, most, much more importantly, he let us know that the Raising Canes is in the old Guthrie's building uh, on Baxter Street in Athens. So thank you to David for confirming that. <laughs> thank you for confirming what we believe to be true. We, exactly, <laughs> yeah, I was not sure. Uh, there were many Googles uh, that I kind of edited out. <laughs> I think I can't even remember what I did. Uh, trying to trying to get that for sure. So, um, so you said uh, so no 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 soccer on Saturday. Is that right? Yeah, there's nothing on the schedule. Something right. gets added last minute, but um, they they don't tend to do that. But uh, yeah, it's it's it's, okay. it's an open weekend, so we'll see. I'm gonna okay. connect with you after the game, after the after the the podcast. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. I uh, we thought we were all gonna like kind of come into town for the weekend, um, but Ella has a theater rehearsal that we had somehow not put on our calendar. So I think it'll just be me. Like as far as like my immediate family, I think it's just gonna end up being me. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll be there um, for sure. John, hopefully you're able to be there as well. Um, be be out and about around hitting up the hitting up the tailgates um and uh you know what i skipped a question i did skip a question because i was about i just remember and here's why i remember this because i was gonna say something about like other games this weekend to watch um i i am i i, I do look forward to after our game coming back and watching alabama uh a uh for the night game on cbs so Grandpa Pappy, apologies, missed your question. I'll answer it quickly. He said, why didn't CBS let this game be their night game? And mm. the answer is there is a pecking order. It's basically like a it's basically like a draft for the games. And CBS always gets the number one pick. Um, CBS, uh, I think twice a year, gets a doubleheader. This is one of those weeks. So on the doubleheader weeks, their number one pick is for the night game. And so basically the answer is CBS valued. Um, Alabama, Texas A&M is a higher game than Georgia. Hmm. So that's the answer to that question. So, yeah, I think, uh, until like something, something speaking of the scheduling quirks, uh, aren't there like three, three thirty games this weekend? Next there are. That's so that's next weekend. Yeah. I, oh, I next weekend. The, yeah. The news and notes, it is weird because Georgia Vanderbilt next week is at three 30 on sec network, which is, Really weird. I don't know that I've ever seen that. I didn't. I didn't think that that was allowed. <laughs> Agreed. I didn't think so either. I saw someone said it was like a, a quirk where there's not a noon uh, game next week or something like that, like on SEC Network, maybe. Um, <laughs> which now I just remembered. I don't. Did you? Okay, so you were driving. You probably didn't see this. Kentucky Ole Miss last week was on two channels. It was mm-hmm. on at the same time. It was on regular ESPN and SEC Network. And I believe the reason is because if you watched on SEC Network, you didn't get the Aaron Judge uh, live look-ins. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get that this weekend on any game that I would decide to watch? Oh, my gosh. Oh, holy cow. So talk about talk about read your audience. I know. I don't. I don't. Like, I don't get it. When I when I saw that happen, I was like, I don't know about this SEC contract now. We gotta we gotta rework this. We gotta rework <laughs> this. Thing. This is some BS. I don't want to see this. 
right <laughs> literally nobody cares about this uh, like like yeah. literally most of the most of the sec is probably braves fans and in, in general like I'm, I'm saying that in a generality but like yeah i mean braves southeast is braves country for the most part is, Bra- so. is braves country right like it's, yeah. it's ridiculous like nobody gives a about that i mean is that i mean honestly and i i don't even i mean he he still hasn't passed it as far as i remember right did he he didn't break it did he i don't even know like, I, I have know. no idea. Who cares? Yeah. We don't, we don't, don't track such things. I mean, it's the AL record is whatever. Anyways. The only thing that I know is <laughs> that Albert Pujols is, is approaching his, his numbers that he needs to hit. So I didn't see that. I got an alert on that while we were recording. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, hopefully, you know, by this weekend, um, the Braves have clinched these. Magic magic number is one, and we can all laugh at the the Mets broadcaster guy who who called it in like May. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Uh, did they win? Because they were playing. No, they lost. <laughs> they lost four to nothing to the Marlins. Uh, Carter's not going to be happy about that. Sorry, Carter. Yeah. Well, what magic number is one, right? So don't we just need one Braves win or one Mets loss. Right. We need, yeah. So, what did the Mets do? Oh, postponed. Not post. What? <laughs> that means they have a game in hand now. Although that does mean that they have a double header, so that could actually work in our favor. Actually, now that I think about that. Yeah, I mean, we get the Marlins. We just we got what two more games of the Marlins. Just got to win one against the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, uh, the Nationals are playing the Mets. All right, man. Well, we'll 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 talk after. Let's figure out if uh, we'll figure out the plan for the for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. Hey, man. It was just, this is fun, and uh, everybody go check out Dog Central and uh, get your watch. Get your watch from Oxia Time. Absolutely. Go dogs. Go dogs.